So welcome everybody to episode 15 of Level Up, our weekly Q&A show where your questions really do drive the whole conversation. If you're watching on LinkedIn or on YouTube, follow the links in the chat across to Slido, which is really where you get to drive the show by voting up the questions that you would like answered and also by adding your own. The first half of the show is general Q&A and our theme today is all about project management and change management. So you can pretty much ask anything related to that. In the second half, we're going to focus on interviews, job interviews specifically to become a project manager or even to hire a project or a change manager. And um, if you want to ask the questions, then please go ahead and submit them to the panel. So let's jump straight in and meet our panel for today. I'm delighted to welcome Ray Babalola, who's an Agile trainer, coach and consultant at IC Agile. She's based in London in the UK. So welcome, Ray. Great to see you. Hello. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. I'm Ray Babalola. And for my sins, I am a qualified project manager and scrum master. I did that all all self-taught. So I'm, I'm here to give you as much tips and make the journey less painful thank you all right okay really good thank you very much indeed um also joining us today and her second time on the panel is Zakia Kasimji she's the CIO at Astute the financial services exchange and she joins us for her second show from Johannesburg in South Africa hi Zakia hi everyone thank you for having me for a second time also a project management specialist and hoping to add some value to you all today Excellent. Thanks very much. Lovely to see you again. Martin Kinch, he began his relationship with APMG over 20 years ago now. Martin's director of Training Bite Size, where he and his teams have helped thousands of professionals gain new skills, build their careers all across the world. So delighted to welcome you to your first panel appearance, Martin. Thank you. Thank you very much, really, and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, we've been working with the APMG 30 years. We've We've done all sorts of certifications and trained thousands and thousands of project managers. So I'm always interested in that learning journey and how people progress and how they make a success of it. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you very much. From India now, we welcome another first-time panel member, Sunil Mehta, who's the Managing Director of Quint Consulting Services. He's based in India. Sunil has a comprehensive background in IT education and holds postgraduate certifications in computer science and also in business administration. Welcome, Sunil. Thank you, Nick. Uh, welcome to this session. Um, pretty excited to be here and share whatever experience I've learned over the years. Uh, I'd like to share that. Thank you so much. Okay, excellent. And completing our panel today is Patrick. Patrick von Schlag, who is the president of the Deep Creek Center in Maryland, USA. Patrick's a consultant and educator with over 30 years experience helping clients to adopt and adapt best practices. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you very much for joining. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here, Nick, and good day to everybody who's taking part in the program. Uh, My background, very briefly, is just to help organizations use best practices to make results happen. So I'm very excited about working with the rest of the panel to take your questions today. Excellent. So thank you very much indeed for that. Um, I'm going to be talking us through today's focus topic. It's all about interviews and the kinds of questions to think about if you're either hiring somebody or indeed if you're applying for a new role. So we really do welcome 
brand new people every week to the panel. And if you're watching this now and feeling that you'd like to join us here and answer some of the questions, then please do just mention it in the chat and we'll be in touch with you. So let's jump straight in to the questions and hear from our question master for today, Charlotte, who is joining us from Yorkshire in the UK. First question, please, Charlotte. Hello, um, question from Alex, Cape Town, South Africa. Can you help me understand what the function of a PMO is? Okay, so panel, what is the function of a PMO? Uh, go ahead, Patrick. So ideally, a PMO should help all of the program and project managers within an organization to have quality and consistency in how they coordinate and manage projects, hopefully provide them some tools and techniques they can leverage and use. Okay, thank you. And uh, Sunil, and then we'll come to Zakia. So there's three types of there are three types of PMOs that you get. They are directive, controlling, or supporting. And in all this time, they're meant to either aid the project managers in the organization from a skills, from an admin, from a reporting, and just supporting project managers along their journey. So depending on the type of PMO your organization has is the type of support you would get. So either directive, supporting, or controlling. Okay, all right, thank you very much. Um, Sunil, what are your thoughts on you know, the function of a PMO? So I'll add a different dimension. Uh, I know we talked about monitoring control, we talked about tracking. I'm going to talk about a little bit on the project managers coaching by the PMO setup, you know, because we assume project managers are certified, they really know the process, they should be able to manage the project, they should be able to drive the project, but that doesn't really happen in real sense. So we put a lot of effort in our organization on coaching the project managers. And we've seen a lot of results at a personal level where these project managers, whether they're experienced or they're new, really, really manage the project in a much effective and an efficient way. So I would say stress on coaching the project managers also as a very critical component of PMO. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. Thank you very much. Martin, you've got a, a deep experience in this area. From from your perspective, how do you feel that PMOs function, particularly particularly nowadays? I think in dealing with different organizations, there are a lot of different approaches to what PMOs, even what it stands for, what the responsibilities and so on are. One thing I'm cheered up by is um, the APMG have released the new qualification, formal qualification, PMO Essentials. And I think for the first time, looking at the syllabus of that, it starts to bring together common skills and techniques. And I think if companies are looking at PMOs or they have PMOs, having that common um, knowledge uh, and book, I think works really well. So I would say that if, if you have a number of your PMO, PMOs out there, that certainly the APMG PMO Essentials is something that people should consider. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. It's very true that the scope, the scale, the reach, the the nature, whether it's governance at one end or you know innovation at the other, um, is something that does vary tremendously now across organisations. But a fantastic question. So thank you very much, audience, for that question. And Charlotte, let's uh, let's move on now, and we'll take the next question. And um, off we go. Okay, we've got a question from Rachel Dublin Island. How do you best handle team conflicts? Is there a standard method that is recommended? 
Okay, how do we best manage team conflicts? Uh, Ray, kick us off on this one. Um, so every team is extremely different, but the first thing that I would say is to separate the person from the problem, because the same problem can be shared across different teams. So I would say first, that's the most, most important thing, separate the person from the problem. And secondly, listen. You have to listen intensively and then make sure that you understand what the problem actually was. Thank you. It's, it's such a core thing, isn't it? Yeah. Go ahead, Patrick. So one of the things I like to do with my teams when we're beginning a new journey together is to put together a team charter and to have the teams anticipate conflict. When you have smart people working hard together, they're going to disagree about certain things. And so rather than treating conflict as a what if scenario, it's often healthier to anticipate it and help the team identify some problem solving techniques it can use to help manage some of those situations. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Thank you very much. And Sunil? There is a very famous saying, it says you can create or resolve any conflict one conversation at a time, uh, which is about communication. I think we talked about that. And uh, in my experience, the conflicts are of two types. One are task based, which are sequential tasks and you get into conflicts with people who don't finish their task on time and their issues. And the other, which are more critical are the behavioral based conflicts you know, where somebody is a very multitasking guy and you are not, or you're very analytical and your teammate is not. So you need to figure out what is the conversation that you need to have. And as long as the conversation is to find the truth, it still works okay. There are no emotions involved. There are no personal connections involved. And that way you can just talk it out, have the best communication, have the best conversation with each other and find the truth and resolve it. So that would be my view. Thank you. Thank you, Zakia. I just want to add how conflict has evolved through project management. When I started my career, we used to have project kickoff and you'd say, here's your RACI, this is your role, this is your scope, these are your timelines. And now, we, as, as um, we've alluded to, now we have team liftoff, team charters. We say, when we're not okay, how will we be with each mm. other? Now we're more around our behaviors and our people as opposed to task, skill, duration, et cetera, and how we've evolved as people and as a discipline of project management. And at the end of the day, we're still here to resolve the conflict, but just from a more people approach rather than a task approach. So that's been quite interesting to see the evolution um, during my journey. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Ray, would you add to that? I just wanted to add to that. Let's not forget the Bruce Tuckman theory, forming, storming, <laughs> That storming is where a lot of fun happens, but eventually you get to the norming and then you start to perform and be great and fantastic. So there is a, it does happen, but there's that process still that people have to go through. So, yeah. yeah. I completely agree with that. Life would be dull, okay, if there weren't the occasional disagreements and things. But it's all about then being able to work through that professionally and come out the other side for the better instead of for the worse. So great question, another great question. Charlotte, let's move on then, and we'll take the next question, please. Okay, we've got a question from Liz Kutz in South Africa. What is the best way to handle scope creep? Okay, so managing the scope of a project, uh, Ray, get us going on this. Get you a good BA, first thing. A good business analyst can help manage that, 
that scope creep is it's going to happen but the ba your business analyst the person that will help you that will help it feel less painful hmm. all right great answer and it shows the kind of teamwork that we need to be able to foster um sunil i i'll go in a structured manner so i think this is part of any project the scope creep so i would say I think documentation is pretty critical. Always have a well-documented contract uh, with clear activities and RACIs, right? That's one. Always have your alternate plan A, plan B, plan C ready, just in case. And we saw a lot of that during uh, the last two years in COVID. Um, always involve all your stakeholders, involve them in the discussion so they're all inside. They're all communicated pretty clearly. Uh, your communication strategy has to be pretty clear. Um, identify the right changes, right? So that so out of scope items are treated separately. Uh, and I think the most important one is how to say no to a client because we've signed a contract. Mm. They keep sending us changes which are you know not supposed to be real changes. They are real projects. So I think how to say no, how to be firm with the customer sometimes is as critical, and that would really help us manage the scope pretty well. Okay, thank you, Sakia. I think just to sum it up, um, it, it is a good BA. It is being able to say no, but also negotiating. Everything's negotiable with, uh, in the triangle of project management with time, cost, and scope. It's all negotiable. So you have to have good negotiation skills and manage your, your expectations of your stakeholders and then go and negotiate. You know, something's got to give um, in the triangle. So. Excellent advice. Thank you very much indeed, panel. That's great. Charlotte, let's take the next question, please. Okay, we've got a question from Brian in Atlanta, USA. What are the best indicators that a project is off track and how do you get it back on track again? Okay, the best indicators then, panel. Sunil? Yeah, uh, in, there are a lot of indicators, but I think as per my experience, they're just two basic ones. One is the cost variance. So if you know it's going off track and the second one is time variance. Uh, what does cost variance means and how do you manage that? Let's get into the action. Uh, cost variance can, uh, can be managed by maybe check your assumptions on your cost element and update your assumptions. Uh, we again saw a lot during COVID time where the project got stalled. Uh, and time variance is part of it. Redo project estimates, uh, maybe look at your work breakdown structure and take another buy-in from the stakeholders. Look at your risk analysis. Again, COVID was not in the risk analysis ever. So relook at, rework your risk analysis and probably look at risk over time. So that I would say from the cost variance point of view, from a time perspective, I would say better resource management and scheduling, this always has been uh, you know, an issue in our experience, uh, capacity management it sounds easy, but it's very, very difficult to have the right capacity at the right time available. Uh, and maybe to save some time, uh, we can do some parallel activities if it's possible to speed up the process on the time variance. So thank you. Okay. All right. It's a pretty comprehensive answer, that one. So we kind of covered a lot of bases. I, I want to flip the question over a little bit. And instead of looking at it from a project manager point of view, you know, Martin, from a business perspective, you know, where do you kind of pick up things from your team when, you know, things are perhaps heading into that, you know, from the green zone to the amber zone? Thank you. Thank you for that. I think in 
you, you just, what, what, what we generally have, we, we do a lot of projects ourselves, is the tolerances as well. We talk correctly about time and budget, but I think it's tolerances. What are the tolerances for the project? What have you agreed? Are you within tolerance or outside tolerance? Um, and, and that's taught as part of the basic APMG project management courses like Praxis and so on. So yeah, there's also tolerances the third bit I'd add to that. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much indeed. So um, great answers, panel. Um, Ray, the last comment on this one before we move on. Go ahead. Um, thank you. I'll keep it short. Um, when people are confused, that's a great way to know that you're that it's off track. There's that no one knows why they're doing the work. When did you start? When do you stop? When do you review? Who said yes to that? And the way that I would deal with that um, is I like to, to have sprint goals. So I'm a very big scrum user and scrum pusher so in your sprint planning you always have your goal and then in your daily stand-ups as you dis discuss that you just ensure that we're always coming back to the point of doing the work so the goal helps to eradicate the confusion what a great way to think about it yeah when you start seeing people puzzled you start seeing people confused that's a really good early indicator isn't it something's not quite right here and we need to kind of you know get in a bit of a huddle and figure it out you know kind of together so excellent thank you very much indeed panel charlotte let's take the next question please thank you we've had a question come in from a live viewer so i don't have their name i'm sorry the question is how can project management help a person who is an it governance role Okay. Um, yes, Patrick, kick us off on this one. So clearly in a governance role, part of your need is to have appropriate visibility into what your projects are doing, how they're performing, and to Martin's point from the previous question, when they fall outside tolerances so that the governance board can provide prioritization and resources where necessary. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much, Sunil. Yeah, I think uh, what Patrick mentioned, uh, just to elaborate that, um, <laughs> IT governance is about the overall control mechanism, and project managers are supposed to manage uh, and govern that specific project, right? And then they report into the program, and the program reports into the PMO. So, without proper project management, uh, I would say monitoring the whole IT governance and the control mechanism will really not work the way an organization would like to do. So they are actually, a lot of things are interlinked, but definitely project management, PMO is linked pretty directly with the IT governance role. Okay, thank you very much. I would say that these disciplines, they really do complement each other. You'll probably find elements of one inside the other and the other inside the first. So you know, it's a good way to look at it. But a great question from you know uh, our live viewers online. So thank you very much for submitting that. Um, so let's move on. If we can do, Charlotte, we're going to pick up the pace now a little bit and see if we can get through a few more before the focus topic. So we've got a question from Simon Gary. And it's related to the theme episode of this morning's. I'm currently hiring for change analysts. Do you have any killer questions that you recommend asking when hiring for change professionals? All right, so change management questions panel. What would be the killer question if you're a project manager and you were trying to hire a change analyst? What would be the kinds of questions that you would have in your minds to interview those roles? So go ahead, Sunil. 
Yeah, um, it's funny that whenever we interview people, we look at uh, their success stories, right? Uh, however, uh, over the last few years, I'm talking about failure stories, right? What were the real failure stories that you really can come up and what did the chain analysts did to really, you know, recover from that? So there is a lot of learning which we get about the person, about the approach, about the analytics that the person did uh, to solve it. So I would say, uh, you know, a failure is a very big learner for most of us. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Patrick. So the question asks for killer questions, and I would ask them to share examples of how they built leadership teams across the organization to help the organization build and gain buy-in and commitment for the endeavor that they were trying to achieve. Okay, thank you very much. Excellent ideas, panel. One thing I would add is really to consider as a change analyst role, how you might go about assessing the nature of the change. You know, what are the inputs that are really needed for a change analyst to do their work? What sorts of frameworks might that person be used to using? What, you know, what are the tools and techniques that they want to use? Because this sort of field of work is quite specialist and it is adaptable to different circumstances. So understanding the culture of the organisation and the tools that they want to use and so on is really indicative of whether or not that's going to work well in the current situation. So um, some great thoughts there and a fantastic question. Charlotte, next question, please. Okay, we've got another live question um, from Live Viewer. Is this okay to have PM education from APMG or must it be from PMP slash PMI? Okay, now we've got quite a broad range of people who teach all kinds of different qualifications and have been experiencing them on the panel. So I think we're going to walk around pretty much everybody on this one. We're going to start with Ray and then we'll come to Patrick and then Martin. Um, the answer is no, it doesn't have to be in PMP or PMI. Um, most people have a Prince 2 or something and the Agile PM one is just to um, top it up because ways are changing. So it's just trying to adapt your skills to fit how the world is working, but it's a perfectly fine qualification. Okay, thanks very much indeed, Ray, Patrick, and then Martin. So there are many, many different project management qualifications out there, and you can utilize a number of different ones as part of your career journey. There are ones designed for more entry-level capabilities. There are ones that require a deeper level of experience and commitment. There are ones that are more focused toward agile disciplines, some that are more prescriptive in their approaches. And so understanding a little bit about your organization and your goals will help you make decisions about which of these credentials makes the most sense for you. Thank you very much, Martin. I think it's a bit like a recipe, really. So it does depend geographically where you are and what the over so like the, um, the qualifications that are most relevant for that uh, geography as well. So, you know, you have the APMG for, for the UK and across the world, but you might have IPMA in Europe, you might have PMI in the USA. It's a bit like a base layer. So that provides the technique skills. So you'll understand about the scheduling, resource and planning. And that's fairly common. They generally come from the same PM book of knowledge. I think the value add, particularly with APMG, is 
the additions from my specialists. And so, yeah, I understand project management, but now I want to become more aware of benefits, benefits realization. And if it's management, I might want to become more agile. I might want to become more scrum. So I consider a base qualification. And that isn't so important where you get from. It's the add-ons that make the difference about where you want to go and what industry you want to be in. It's certainly true, isn't it, how we've seen those bodies of knowledge extend, you know, over time. So I think, you know, going back to my early career in the software industry, you know, the body of knowledge around projects and, and change management was relatively uh, relatively mm. brief, quite modest, actually. And then mm. over my career, it's expanded and expanded. So I think you're right. You know, the very best, uh, if we continue the food analogy, the very best Michelin restaurant will be able to think carefully about how do you combine those ingredients into an amazing recipe of success as a project manager. So it's a good thing to, uh, you know, to explore and extend and continually learn new skills mm. and uh, new frameworks and new ideas. Very good. Uh, next question, please, Charlotte. Another question from a live viewer. At what stage, sorry, which stage would you involve the change manager? Okay, so I'm guessing within a project, Patrick, go ahead. So I would answer at the very beginning and perhaps even before the project is chartered, because at the end of the day, a big part of the success model for any project is understanding stakeholders, stakeholder buy-in, and what we need to do to win hearts and minds. Okay, thank you very much. And as a, an exchange management professional, I'm really applauding you there. Thank you very much, Patrick, uh, for saying, yeah, right, as early as you can, uh, start getting some input, start getting some advice and some counsel. That really does help. Um, we had a panelist recently who described the project management role as preparing the solution for the organization and the change manager role preparing the organization for the solution so it's kind of tricky to separate those things out too too much i would say you know try if you can and and get them both into place as early as possible charlotte we've got one time for one more question before we get into the focus topic so let's go straight to that please okay so we've got a question from peter chester uk what pm skills should i be focusing on for my future career what does the future project management look like Okay, what does the future of project management look like, Sunil, and then Ray? Uh, look, I've been working for almost 30 years and I've seen various project management. Earlier, it was very specific to the skills, the PM skills, you know, we talked about project management skills. But over the last, I would say, eight to 10 years, a lot of focus has gone into the soft skills part. I mean, the soft skills is very wide, but specific on the behavioral traits, specific on their emotional intelligence. This is part of a lot, how they handle stress, how they handle multitasking, uh, and, and obviously their cognitive skills, right? So apart from whatever certification they've got, which is on the technical side, the cognitive, behavioral, and EQ, I feel is very critical. And that's what really demarcates you from a, a normal project manager and an excellent, outstanding project manager. Thanks, Nick. Okay, very good. Um, Ray, what would you add to that? I'll echo from that and I'm going to start with communication. So let's not disregard working from home. It's going to be a thing from mm. now on. So what are the days where as a PM, you could just walk up to someone's table and say, oh, I need your help or go to the tea area. You have to actually communicate. And with virtual, some people don't, don't like to show face to face. You have to figure out how to navigate through that. 
tone in emails can be really, really off. So again, it's all about, well, it, it starts with the prompt. So we have to figure out how to navigate this online presence. And a way that I've, that has helped me is the daily stand-ups. Even if you don't have your camera on, just the fact that we're speaking to each other every day, even though it's virtually, it really does help. And you can tell what I'm doing and if there's any problems, we can help out now, but we cannot disregard working from home. It's here to stay. Completely agree with that. And I completely agree with also, you know, embracing the technology ourselves and really leading from the front, you know, providing if you have your camera on, other people will generally, you know, begin to gravitate towards that. And over time, more and more people will join in. And, you know, believe you me, we don't mind how messy your kitchen might be or, or your bookcases or anything like that. We don't mind. We don't mind. Okay. We want to communicate. We, we're social animals. We want to see the emotion that's on your face and in your in your voice as you speak and it's much easier to decode that if we can see each other right so um super important so thank you very much indeed panel it's absolutely great um uh so let's move into our kind of focus topic if we may now and then we'll come back to kind of q a um in a few minutes so i'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about um the the whole area around interviews interviews are kind of a rite of passage if you like not just for the person who's actually applying for a new role and um, but also of course for the team who are trying to find that elusive best possible candidate and in this short session i'm going to be exploring both sides of uh, what is very much the same kind of interview table if you like so um new roles offer of course the chance of change and new opportunity for us as individuals and there has to be something attractive about that change in the first place to get our full attention it might be simply some new responsibilities you know within our own organization stepping up taking more responsibility progressing you know managing a project perhaps over an engagement or a leadership role where previously we were simply making our own individual contribution it might mean moving to a new employer entirely or taking a leap into a different industry. And whatever that is, we're looking for that new opportunity, the chance to learn and the chance to grow and do something new. And therein lies a bit of a caveat for the hiring team to consider. And we'll come back to that sort of in a few moments. On the other side of that interview table, my experience is as a hiring manager is that we pretty much face the same challenge. We're looking for new people for a reason, you know, bring new thinking, new creativity, new energy into the existing teams. And whether the candidates are internal or external, we still face the same dilemma. One of the most fundamental changes that we can make as hiring managers into an organization is when we when we hire, do we look to repeat history or you know, do we take a safe approach and appoint people in our own likeness or the same image as predecessors? Or are we missing a trick there? Should we actually be trying to hire people who are better, smarter, you know, than ourselves and over time upgrade the entire organization as we go? If we simply continue to hire people in our own image or that of the incumbents, we might lose that opportunity to create genuine new value in the business. And increasingly, candidates are looking at the hiring team and thinking the same thoughts. You know, is, is this somewhere that 
they can see themselves. You know, what is the potential of this organization? And can they see themselves growing somewhere where they can be valued? So the value proposition, I would argue, for both candidate and hiring organization is remarkably well aligned. The question is to see whether or not we can improve that matching process through structured interaction at interview. So I think questions around industry knowledge are going to be featuring pretty strongly, and in particularly um, the hiring organization. Um, so if you're a candidate, do your research. It's often the most obviously overlooked thing possible. A candidate arrives, you ask them to tell a little bit about your company and your organization, what you're doing, and they really struggle with that. And it's impressive in contrast when somebody has done some homework, you know, that they've thought their way into the mindset of the working team and the organization to which they're applying. For project managers and those involved in leading organizational change, this research is really critical. So don't assume that you can leave it to the first day in the role. Add some value. Start beforehand and explore what you think is the current situation in that organization's industry. Think about the regulatory or the market change that they're going through. Think about the current and the future pressures that may be shaping them and maybe how you might be able to alleviate some of those or at least help them on their journey and to achieve their purpose more completely. If asked about what attracted you to apply for the position, consider that the question's not always just about yourself, but actually your insight into how good a solution you might have to the challenges that the hiring team may be experiencing. I would say be honest, you know, about your previous roles on projects and engagements and don't try to oversell yourself or your experience. People want to be reassured you know that you've been a team player and even when applying for a leadership position this is important if you've genuinely led a piece of work then state that you know if you made a strong contribution to it then that's great or if you were the glue that kind of held everybody together then look to be able to say that through the questions that you are asked around how you did things or why something was successful or indeed what the major challenges were for you one technique to consider is why the approach that you took may be a really good fit in some situations and actually not at all in others. Try not to present yourself as the binary candidate who only some folks will love, but rather as one that has that self-awareness, can recognize your strengths and your weaknesses, and has the emotional intelligence to provide situational leadership kind of as required, if you like. Project managers and change manager roles have a very strong element of this situational leadership. In other words, recognizing the time when to lead and when to follow, where to exercise that restraint, if you like, that servant leadership to provide to your team and the wider business. And your style is definitely going to be explored. And um, it's a good thing in interview to be able to do this because you want to find out as well before you give up one role and start another if you're likely to be successful. So it's important from your side of the desk as well to find that out. Prepare some comparators for interview. That's a really helpful way to help the panel find their way through this, what can be quite a tricky area. An insightful way to find out about management and leadership style may be to ask and the candidate to describe the best manager, manager that they have ever had. And it's the kind of revelatory question that actually reveals quite a lot about the candidate 
and a little less about the target of the question. Project and change managers, well, we'll often ask you about how you go about influencing others to get things done. And this is beyond the obvious techniques that you might use to be able to facilitate and build collaboration in a team. But also drilling down into, you know, well, what tools would you use in these circumstances? You know, can you point in your career to where you face truly disruptive challenge and you've managed to overcome that and succeed? Relationships ultimately are at the heart of our working lives and people who struggle to invest in these are also likely to struggle when the going becomes a little bit more difficult. Prepare to explore your own vulnerabilities then. Acknowledge those situations that didn't go so well. As a project manager, it's, it's nice to be proud of the things that went well and were delivered on time and on budget. But quite frankly, most projects struggle to do all of that. And so, you know, highlighting those areas that perhaps were outside of your control and yet you continue to deliver value is a more authentic kind of model and approach. And in a world emerging from the pandemic, we can all relate to that. I, I don't think it was un, I don't think it was likely at all that any business continuity plan had draconian measures of everybody being forced legally to stay at home and work from home um, in mind. Not at all. But, you know, still, nonetheless, you know, we've managed to overcome those challenges. And, and it's how you've gone about that that's more important than the outcome itself. And in the most adverse conditions, being able to have those open and direct communications, the panel was talking about a little earlier, demonstrating your personal resilience and, quite frankly, the inner strength, that fortitude to see things through, really does rally and inspire team members around you. The last thing that I would say on this topic is, you know, how important it is actually to be able to demonstrate an ongoing commitment to learning and growth. Project management and change management are very mature now as disciplines, and you need to be able to show that you have a good, strong command of a whole range of associated tools, methods, techniques, best practices, frameworks, and the like. It, it is relatively easy, I would suggest, to secure a new role doing pretty much, again, what it is that you've already done. But it's much more tricky to be able to move up or across into a genuinely different role. And qualifications are there to help. They do provide you with some portable evidence of your aptitude to take on those new responsibilities. Some of the most capable project managers and change managers that I have worked with have also held qualifications in a range of related and separate disciplines. It shows breadth you know, and depth to them, and it demonstrates that they're much more likely to understand other members of the teams that they're going to be working with, their associated methods, their tools, their ways of working. High-quality qualifications from recognised providers, whoever they might be, offer that passport that you need to be able to make that career jump successful. So thank you very much. That's given us a few little insights into the world of interviews, preparing for them, what to think about, the kinds of questions uh, that were being asked. So we'll pop back now to the panel, if we may, and we're going to switch gears a little bit. And we're going to start focusing on the questions that have been stacking up in Slido on this particular topic, all about interview questions. So, Charlotte, can we have the first question, please?
Sorry, Nick. Yes, you can. We've got a question from Hans Utrecht in the Netherlands. I went for an interview last week for a PM job, and the interviewer asked me if I've ever had project, ever had a project that didn't meet the deadline or budget. I was unsure how to answer, as I felt that if I answered yes, this would count negatively on my application. Okay, Zakia, and then Patrick. Thanks, Nick. I think just to sum it up, what you just said, you know, um, there's very rarely a project that goes on time on budget always. There's always something that never goes according to schedule. And to be honest and share those experiences that as much as you've had success, you've also had failure and there's failure in success and in learning and to be, I think, just candid and say, there could have been multiple things of, you know, maybe the environment, et cetera, out of your control. But I think, I, I really think it would count against you on your application. It would rather give more credibility to your application as a project manager. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Patrick? Oh, I'd just like to allude to what the previous panelists just said. You know, it's very important to demonstrate in an interview of that kind, some practical experience with previous projects. And one of the ways they can ascertain quickly if you don't have any experience with projects is to ask and get a blithe answer, oh yes, all of our projects were on time and on budget, because that's simply almost never the case in any context. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Sunil. Yeah, I think in the previous section, we talked about the failure stories and it talks about a lot about the character of the person, how they handle failure, how they bring the team together, how they communicate and bring the energy back. I think it's pretty important to see what happens if things are not going right. You know, if things are going right, it's perfect. It's hunky-dory. But if it doesn't go right, that's when the real character comes out. So uh, that's a very good question really to answer. Okay, thank you very much. And Martin, last comment on this one. Right, so when you, particularly when you do certifications, some of the more advanced certifications, like the um, New Praxis Framework Professional, they look for things like this. You'll, you'll be asked questions about projects that didn't work or things that didn't work or team meetings didn't work and explain how you dealt with it, how you, how you got it back on track. So it's really important to acknowledge the things that didn't go right as well as things that didn't go wrong because it goes on all the way through the chain of uh, certifications as well. Absolutely right. And it's one of those things that it's not possible to fill in a lessons learned report is it unless there were some lessons learned you know there must have been something along the way that was you know that was new that was different that was you know tricky and that kind of thing so thank you very much panel next question please charlotte thanks nick so we've got a question from gareth i'll be shortly interviewing for a senior business change manager after working as a project manager for a number of years do you have any tips on how i should approach my interview many thanks okay Okay, yeah, very good. Patrick first. So, Gareth, I certainly would recommend that you describe how your project background helped you understand and appreciate the importance of engaging your stakeholders, building and maintaining buy-in throughout the project's life cycle, thinking about people and practice and process change and not just the nature of the project deliverables themselves. 
Yeah, it's a key part to be able to show that empathy and direct that empathy to a a related discipline, you know, earlier on in your career. So you can kind of signpost things through and um, that's great advice. Uh, Sunil, go ahead. In my experience, uh, there are five elements that I expect them to work on. uh, And I think I'll check on that. One is how do they communicate the project necessity? Why are we doing this project really in a way? Uh, how do they define the vision so that all stakeholders have the same vision? Uh, how deep is the planning part? I think that's also pretty critical. How do they plan and how do they break it out and stuff? Uh, how do they manage the resources? Who will do what? And last but not the least is who do they bring in from the competency point of view? And if any of these elements are missing, so necessity, vision, plan, resources, competency, that makes it more holistic. Uh, as a change manager to really bring in all these elements and make a change uh, across the organization a pretty good success. Okay, thank you. Uh, Last comment, Zakia. I think lastly to add, the roles are quite closely related and very much interchangeable. So if you've been a project manager for a number of years, being a senior business change manager shouldn't be very far apart from that. The last comment I want to make is how do you take people on your journey and get their buy-in? So EQ would be very much as much as as a framework, you need to take people on your journey. So I think you should have much success in your role. Yeah, thank you. I think one of the things that I would add, you know, to the comments made so far from the panel is to try and get as good an understanding as you can of the cultural challenge um, and the cultural degree of change that you might be making. So what's unclear from the question is this could be an industry in which you've worked all your life. So you may know it intimately. You may understand the nuance that you might need to apply in a given situation. Or if you're changing industries, then being open and saying that, you know, part of this is actually to tune in. You may be a very experienced project and change professional, but everybody needs a little bit of time to understand if they join a rock and roll band, how much rock is involved and how much roll. Okay. And that can vary a little bit depending on you know, what the music is that you're trying to play next. So it's a good idea to kind of tune into that and uh, every best wish with your interview, Gareth, and I hope it goes really well for you. Uh, Next question, please, Charlotte. Um, Question just come in from Claire Okiemi. How would I demonstrate transferable PM skills at an interview when going from a client to an external consultant role? Okay, so making that transition from internal to external. Um, One of the things that I would say um, is uh, to consider, Claire, you know, how you've behaved, okay, internally and what degree of influence you were able to bring about. Because often as an external consultant, you're relying on influence to get things done rather than direct authority. Um, Panel, would you like to add anything to that? Go ahead, Sunil. I think we also talked about, and Zaki also talked about the look. One is the PM-specific process-related skills, you know, which is you have a certificate to prove. So you have Agile PM Foundation, you have Agile PM practitioner. So that's one side of it, and that stays with you whichever role you do. The other side is how do you really uh, do the communication strategy? How is, as I said, EQ? There was a big discussion today on the emotional part. How do you handle people? How is your relationship with people? How do you handle stress, right? Uh, And if you're moving a a role from an inside to outside, 
how independent you are uh, in terms of making your own decisions. So it's not just the process skills, I would say, it'll be the overall skills that you need to demonstrate that now you can really handle a consultant role rather than a probably a secure internal role. Thanks, Nick. Okay, thank you very much, Sakia. I think consultants are hired for their skill and expertise. You're there to do a job for a period of time at a very expensive rate usually. Um, so hence it becomes quite easily distinguishable between internal and external. And sometimes a culture becomes quite toxic where you treat it differently because you're the external consultant. I think you're there for a, for a reason, uh, build a relationship with your client and um, try not to inherit the culture of what's already going on because it could be very toxic. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Martin, how, how resilient do you think people need to be when they're working as a consultant as against as an employee? To some extent, it depends on the background where you come from. If you come from a government or public sector environment where you may not have to create business cases or certain aspects of the project are different, then you have to show how you, you, you bridge that gap, I think. If you're going to a self-employed rather than, say, a price waterhouse, also, how do you maintain uh, how do you maintain that role? What's your what's your future look like? How do you have your your, your next opportunities and things? But yeah, it's, it's that transition, isn't it? How you manage stakeholders, how you manage the project? It's, it's that moving from somewhere where it's been fixed and done to an, an environment that is very transient. It's just how you show those transferable skills. Yeah, I completely agree with that. One of the um, key skills I think to be able to learn when you're working as an external advisor or consultant to you know the host organization is that ability to listen and you know sometimes mm -hmm. to just you know take the time you know to be able to figure something out so that you can uh, you know be the voice of common sense if you like and, and consistency for your client you know that's what you're there to do really you're not there to provide all the answers you know, as a junior consultant, you might feel that you're there, you have to know everything, you have to know all the answers. Actually, no, you don't. What you really need to do is you need to know the, the great questions to ask the client and how to facilitate and how to help them find the right answers. So it's a little bit of both, you know, that, that you need to blend together. All right, very good. Thank you very much. Um, Charlotte, can we have the next question, please? Uh, we're running up against time panel, so we need to be brief. Question from Damien London. How do I handle the question about my weaknesses? Okay, all right. Patrick, super brief, please, and then Zakia. Yeah. Be candid and honest about them, but also talk about how you're working to improve them. Okay, all right. Very good, uh, Zakia. I just want to say the same. There's areas of improvements, not weaknesses, and pretty much what's your plan of action to improve them? Like public speaking or whatever it is. All right. Okay. Very good. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, Charlotte, next question. The question, the next question is quite a long question, but it's a very good question. Emma Johnson, how would you bring people on a change journey when their roles are disappearing? How do you keep motivation at a high level for others who will not be affected by the change to the same extent? All right. Okay. So um, this is one of those which is really is an it depends type answer, um, Emma. But one thing I would suggest uh, from my experience is you, you can't sell change sometimes. Okay. All that you can do is help people understand it, 
help them embrace it and help them come with you on that journey together. Um, you know, so that would be one thought for you. Um, Sunil, briefly. So um, as long as, look, we do a lot of projects which uh, reduce people's time, uh, right? And probably they have more free time to do other activities, right? So it's not that we want to have an, you know, a kind of a attrition level higher, but it's more that we move people from less uh, effective roles or less effective activities to more effective. So if you look at more from a positive side, I think uh, it's it's not okay to do the same thing over and over again. It can be automated because of a change. And as long as we are clear with them, we are transparent with them and have a security built in into the system from the beginning, they are pretty okay to you know, embrace this change. Otherwise, there'll be a tremendous amount of resistance and and stoppages onto such important changes. Thanks, Nick. Okay, how do you handle this in financial services, Sakia? Um, so we do a lot of automation as well. Um, you know, where people's roles disappear. So you have to just re I think keep re-emphasizing the end goal and then either find other ways or upskilling or some kind of thing. But motivation is a different one, um, especially through a project that's going to remove people's roles. So yeah. Okay. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much. So, um, very good. Uh, so, we've just got one last question from the focus topic um, stack, uh, Charlotte, and then I'll come to the panel for their closing remarks. Okay, Nick. We've got a question from Dirk in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. I'm starting out in project management and have an interview next week. I'm nervous and not sure what to expect. Can you give me some advice? Okay, all right. So um, nervousness is about doing things uh, new and it can be quite high stakes. So try if you can, first of all, on trying to reduce that newness on the one hand. Um, it's good to work with colleagues, you know, and reach out to them and, you know, find somebody safe, you know, to uh, go through the interview itself and get them to help you practice. The more that you practice, the more comfortable that you feel and the more that you're able to engage with them. Um, so, Ray, what are your thoughts? What advice would you give to Dirk? I was just going to um, add to that to practice, 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 practice. So um, I used to get quite nervous because of my speech. I've got I used to have a really bad stammer. So it was a case of I would have to record myself and OK, maybe not say that because this word makes me feel a bit. If it's that bad for you, then practice. Use your family and your friends, of course, that um, star technique situation, task, action, result, but add one more, R, review, how you made it better, but practice the, the, the format in which you're going to answer your questions. It really helps. Mm. Thank you. Great advice. Thank you, Martin. I get, I get involved um, in a lot of interviews over the years. And one thing people don't do is, is, is if you're going for a project manager interview, Practice, absolutely practice what Ray says. Practice role play if you've got someone you can do it with. One of the key things is, is when the interview asks you to tell a bit about yourself, just slow it down for a minute. Ask the interviewer about the challenges they're having. Ask them to talk about what the key areas they're looking for skills. Um, ask them what some of their key challenges are. Listen to that, bring it into the conversation, reflect it back in what you do. Not many people do that, and that does give you an edge in an interview in a project situation. 
Absolutely right. So some great tips there. So very uh, best wishes for your interview ahead, Dirk. And um, feel free, anybody who's you know working at the moment and thinking about change and that kind of stuff, you know, all of the panel are available um, via the event page on apmginternational.com. Just search for Level Up, look for episode 15, and you'll find all of them and you'll be able to connect to them and link up with them and join in with them on their journey. So panel, great job today. Fantastic conversation at the speed of light. So thank you very, very much indeed. I'd like to come to each of you now for your kind of final thoughts, if you like, as Zakia will come to you first, if we may, and then Patrick. Thank you, Nick. I think um, project management is and change management so closely related. There's a great TED talk on leading an orchestra, if you ever get a chance to watch it. And that's how I see the roles, leading an orchestra as a conductor. So I think you're unique with a unique value proposition. Use your toolbox as and when needed of skills. Okay, thank you very much, Patrick. And then Martin? So this whole universe is changing so dramatically now. And project managers used to be hired to plan the work and work the plan. And now it's really an important part of the success model to enter any of these projects as a journey that will have adaptation, that will need evolution, but also will need a consistent vision. And so by helping your teams to establish that North Star and then continue to steer against it, you'll help your teams have more success. Great advice. Thank you very much, Martin. And then Ray? It's a really exciting world out there. I've been in the industry a long time and I've seen lots of people come through the industry. My recipe for success is very simple. Be focused. Find and follow your industry and passion. Remember to listen more than you speak. Remember, everyone has a story and network, network, network. You're choosing industry and organization. Finally, invest in your education and you will be successful. Thank you very much, Martin. Some really good advice. In that. I'm going to practice that myself. Thank you very much, uh, Ray and then Sunil. Thank you. Martin, that was amazing, by the way. Wow. Yeah, even I took some of that one. Oh, lovely. Um, my opinion statement is, I'm going to speak to those that are trying to break in. One thing that really helped me to break into project, project management was to find my ideal job and then work backwards. So I found the perfect job, salary, what skills do they need? What, um, what kind of, of experience are they asking for? And I kind of made sure to work my way up there. So that was my foundation. That was my blueprint and just apply the worst they could say is no but they could say yes and when they say yes you get in there you learn learn and learn and keep it moving mm. thank you absolutely thank you very much thank you mm. sunil uh, i feel it's still pretty exciting times for project managers there's still a lot of uh, stuff that we need them to do and they're pretty critical even if the world is changing i think we still need them uh, to drive uh, to the change that we are trying to do uh, I would say a learning that I probably could have done earlier, which I now am doing, is the art of conversation. I missed that in my earlier life. I was just focused on the process and trying to get the job done. And I forgot to listen and I forgot the art of asking the right questions. I think that's a, a very key uh, nowadays is how to ask the right question, how to listen, you know, and then obviously, you know, make relationship works much better create that network and people will really help you on the way. So I would wish all the project managers all the very best. And as I said, it's exciting time and best wishes to all of them. Thanks, Nick. 
Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. And Charlotte will bring you back on. Um, an amazing panel <laughs> today. What are, what are your closing thoughts from this uh, epic episode? Nick, they've just been amazing. We've got so many unanswered questions. It's unbelievable. I think we could have talked for another four hours answering questions. Thank you so much to our expert panel today. You have been amazing. On a personal yeah, note, okay. projects and change management is changing so, so much. I echo all of the thoughts and suggestions of our panellists. But again, listen, learn and develop. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Charlotte. And for those of you who have been listening to us online and, and feel that you know you want those questions, unanswered questions answered, uh, we'll do our best to do that. Um, we'll push some of them forwards into the next episode of Level Up that deals with project and change management. And we'll also try and answer some more on our website. So go to apmginternational.com and search for Level Up and you will find us um, on there. Lots of events coming up now next week um we turn our attention to cyber resilience um that's at nine o'clock uh, uk time uh half past one in the afternoon in india and 7 p.m australian eastern daylight time this particular episode is all about combating online fraud which is something which is you know increasingly impacting us as individuals and our teams and organizations. So do tune in for that. Later on the same day, um, at one o'clock in the afternoon, UK, two in Europe, and 8 a.m. over on the Eastern Seaboard, we'll pick up the next episode where we look at public-private partnerships. And specifically, it's all about finance, what's involved, how to build up your knowledge around that key topic. Please do subscribe to the show. You can do that really easily. If you watch this back on YouTube, just point your phone at the little QR code. And then that'll jump you to the registration page. And we'll send you a personal summary each week of what's coming up, how you can join us here on the panel, and how you can level up your career with APMG. So thanks very much, everybody. We'll see you on the next show. Thank you. Bye-bye now.